Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach, and I feel supremely unqualified to be talking about fitness right now, Andrew, because I've been really lazy the last week or so Bummer. since we last spoke. Yeah, that's okay. I feel like after your year so far, it's uh, it's probably like a good thing. Like I had Daryl message me today, and he said, "How are the legs feeling?" And I said, "Legs are feeling good. Legs are feeling back to normal." He said, "Any desire to go for a run?" And I said, "No." The desire <laughs> comes. And then I eat something until it goes away. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's uh, you may have a problem, but that's fine. It's we'll just, be... yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying a break. I'm enjoying a break from running. I, I I do kind of miss it, but it's you know it's winter now in Australia. It's very cold in the morning. Getting yeah. up at five o'clock in the morning to go for a run is tough. No, um, I just need I need to find my mojo a little bit. I think. I, I hear that, man. I I I I definitely hear that. Like I was meant to go out yesterday. I did. I, I was meant to go out for an eight mile. Um, uh, it's like a 13 kilometer progress progression. So you just start off one pace and you just keep getting faster and faster as you finish up. And I set my alarm for seven o'clock. I know it's not terribly or early, but I woke up and it was cold and Aaron mm. was right there. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm just going to turn my alarm off. And yeah. so, <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up doing my run at like nine 30 instead. Um, but, and the same thing, like I'm tomorrow, I'm going to get up go to the Yu Yangs and just do like a chasing vert workout, um, uh, ch- chasing vertical distance for, for those of you listening and, and just run Flinders peak as much as I can in 65 minutes, but I'm not looking forward to getting up. Although it was nice today. It was like 20 degrees today. It was lovely. The nice was beautiful in the middle of the day. It was mm. very cold in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, if you can exercise in the middle of the day here in Melbourne, Australia, you'll be fine. If you you're have fine. to do it at either end of the day, you're probably going to be struggling a little bit. And if you are doing it good on you, well done. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you so, said yeah. you do mile progressions. Do you find that when you're training, because you measure your distance in miles, yeah. it's better for you than doing it in kilometers because you well, get further when you do an interval? Well, it's funny because I normally would use kilometers to track mm-hmm. my workouts, but because I'm training now with Kirk, um, who is who is um, uh, US based, uh, he asked me the question. He said, do you mind if we do it? Like I, he wouldn't, it wouldn't matter, but he's like, is it cool if we do it in miles? And I was like, yeah. No. Um, so he's giving me, you know, mile progressions. And I must admit it is funny because like, for example, um, like if I do a long run or something, right? Like this past weekend I did um, about 21 or 13 miles, 21 miles, hmm. uh, 21 kilometers. Uh, and the first uh, two miles was easy. And then it was one mile on, one mile easy, one mile on. And it's funny because I will, I will kind of alternate what I'm, what I'm gauging it by. So like if I'm okay, if I know that I want to run a 10 minute mile, okay. I see the bigger picture, but I still yeah. look at a six minute kilometer yeah. or six fifteen kilometer. And if I want to run a six forty five mile or what's that like a three fifty kilometer, I'm looking then more so at the time it takes me to get from the beginning of the mile then to uh, to the end of the mile, rather than looking at keeping a three forty five or three fifty pace, because that to me is easier. It's like, all right, mm. all right, you've got you've got a minute to get there, you've got thirty seconds to get there, and then it's funny if you look at my Strava, when you see, for example, if I do, um, you know, uh, four miles easy, four miles hard, or something. Uh, the first four miles, I'll look at all kilometers. So my first, mm. that's six and a half kilometers. All my kilometers, the splits are 630, 640, 
whatever it is, whatever I'm yeah. aiming for that day. And they're all within a second or two of each other. Yeah. But then when I go in the second half and I start looking at miles, all my miles are within a couple of seconds of each other, but all my kilometers are like really weird. They're all over the place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it makes me look like I'm whacked out depending on what, uh, what uh, metric you're looking at, which is kind of hard for me to swallow because I love when I'm working on, if I'm looking at keeping my heart rate at a certain level, I'm like, all right, if I want to keep it under 140, I'm going to run a 645 pace and I'm going to keep that pace within a second of each other for the next 10 K. But now I'm working in miles. So I'm just like, I can't really do that. So what do you do on your watch? Is your watch showing kilometers or is your watch showing miles? Ah. Are you wearing two watches? So my watch (laughs) is showing kilometers just because I've gotten used to looking at that pace, Um, but it's lapping at a mile. So 1.61 kilometers. What? Yeah. You're a madman. I know. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) because I'm like, all right, so I've done 8.05 kilometers. All right. That's five miles. Um, Yep. Just, I don't know. There's something wrong in my brain. I think I just like need all these metrics to like tell me something at all times of the day. So it, it, it's, but it's, it's showing, all right. So it's measuring your distance in meters. Yeah. So, okay. So it's, it's not your accumulated distance is not going up in miles whilst the pace is showing in kilometers per hour, but your lapping is, at, I don't know, Celsius degrees or something. Yeah. Right. Least, so yeah. My, my, my distance is going up by kilometers and uh, meters okay. and kilometers and everything, but it just laps at a mile. Okay. So um, your distance and pace is kilometers, but your lapping is miles. Right. And, okay. and when I'm like, say doing vert stuff like tomorrow, it'll actually, because otherwise it gets too confusing for me. Oh, because now helps. it's simple. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just like, okay, well, yeah, right. Exactly. Good point. It's like, actually, I don't even know what my watch tells me in terms of vert when I'm climbing. I don't know if it's telling me meters or feet. I can't remember now, but. This is I, how you end up running with an iPad hanging around your neck, um, just so that you can convert everything and have it on a big display. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, okay, I've gone 600 meters. What's that in feet? I don't know. 1800. Um, and, then, and then, and then it screws with my head because I know Flinders Peak isn't. <laughs> 600 meters it's 600 feet it's like 200 yes. meters yeah. um so now i'm just like oh god what <laughs> what's happening <laughs> i'm gonna do i'm gonna do distance and pace in kilometers but i'm gonna do elevation and lapping in feet exactly and kirk yeah. probably hates it because i'm like i'll send him because every, after every run after every workout i'll give him notes i'll write notes uh and i'll just say how i was feeling and i'll be like okay so yeah today i was aiming for a one 50 heart rate at a like a 430 kilometer pace and i ended up doing on average like an uh like a 730 mile the whole time and like switching back and forth <laughs> yeah, exactly. he probably doesn't know what the hell he's probably like oh this is 430 mile i oh, know kilometer he probably thinks i'm fast as hell it's like um, the, being the worst type of bilingual person in the world where you're just swapping back and forth at the worst times possible yeah pretty much pretty much yeah. so yeah it's uh it's kind of it's 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 taken a bit to get used to, but I think, uh, I think I'm there. I think we're yeah. there. And so the vert training tomorrow at Yu Yang's, is that for anything in particular? Or is that just to get some solid time on legs? No, I think he's just the way that he's kind of structuring my workouts is just to kind of work everything. So like mm. there's kind of, so without going too much into it. So each week is, is broken up. There are two easy recovery days. Um, and where I'm, I'm keeping my heart rate under 138 or anywhere from 135 to 140, but trying to keep it under 138. And that's like a 650 pace. And on those days, I'll end those with um, six strides or sprints yep. just to get the turnover. And then there are two days, there are two like kind of 
quality days. And those days might either be a progression run or a chasing vert run or a um, uh, like that, that 15% incline like this next week, I'll do that at 40 minutes at 15% incline at a hard, hard tempo or a flat slash undulating kind of run for 60 minutes, keeping the heart rate in check. Um, And then there's one long run. And that long run is generally half of it's kind of easy and half of it's kind of, let's just work a little bit. Like, so for example, like this last long run, it was two miles easy, then one mile easy, uh, sorry, one mile hard, one mile easy for 10 miles and then a mile cool down. Okay. Has he got you going doing any like speed work, track work, interval work type stuff? Or not, not yet. And, and right he was now? very, he was very specific about that in the beginning. He was like, we're going to start from the ground up. We're not going to get too fancy with it right now. So for the first four weeks, we're not necessarily going to do track work or interval work. We'll get there. Um, but he's like, I just want to see what we do in this first month, building your base. And then we'll, we'll culminate it. So basically the end of the, this first four week block will go into the fourth week will be like a down week, like a deload mm-hmm. week. And we'll end that week with a 5k time trial to see where I'm really at. Okay. Uh, and then of course there are two days a week. Well, four strength training sessions a week, two of which are my choice dealer's choice kind of thing. And yep. then two of which are prescribed um, by him, which are much more um, sorry, much more, <laughs> geared toward my running which is which is essentially the strength workouts that he he has given me he's just like you can do whatever you want two times a week but two times a week you also got to do this workout and it's it's what i would have imagined from a strength training program for a runner uh it's exactly it's like it's kind of like by the book exactly what you would expect uh and it's it's intense it's like he's got me heavy squatting and heavy deadlifting twice a week um and then one day is is push, and then one day is pull. So it's like right, yeah. and the push and pull are your days that you sort of get well, to choose what it is. So so yeah. So there's basically okay. So there's two days that I, I will do, and it's upper body of my choice. So I've just broken them up into yeah, push and pull. But then on the days that he is scheduled, there is one push, but at the core of that workout, there are heavy squats and heavy deadlifts. Uh, that workout will be also heavy bench press. And then the other workout, his his pull, heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, but also pull ups and other stuff for the back. And then he has me working core twice a week as well. So yeah, okay, yeah, it's really it's really a it's like it's so much different than anything that I've experienced with a coach uh, before in terms of specificity and building. And, yeah, and I love it. It's like it's pushing me. And I said to him the other day, I was like. Because I had to, unfortunately, Aaron and I had some circumstances that prohibited uh, prohibited me from doing my long run on the Saturday. So I had to do my long run on the Sunday. And that then took away my rest day on the Sunday. So I basically went long run, then Monday, right into run again, Tuesday into run again. And it's interesting, like this thing that he's got me doing, the way that we're going, this non-linear journey is like, it's tiring me out. But like... He's like, that's expected, man. These are growing pains. So this is good. Um, yeah. You actually need that deload week for once. Yeah. Like sometimes you get to a deload week and you're like, I'm just coming into form. I'd like to keep going. Yeah. Um, this training will actually get you to a point where you'll get to that deload week and, and need it. Yeah. And that's, uh, the, that's the thing about training too. It's like everybody always asks me 
you know, how much I charge for PT or how much other people charge for coaching. And I always say, well, this is how much we charge. And if they ever say, well, that seems expensive. It's also like, how, how do you put a value on never having to think about what you're doing and somebody Mm -hmm. telling you exactly what you need to be doing to get the results that you want? Nothing's guaranteed, obviously. Yeah. But it's kind of like, if I say to one of my clients or potential clients, yeah, I charge $50 for a half hour or $70 uh, for an hour. And when they, if they balk at that, I always say, look, you can continue doing what you're doing, which is obviously not getting you results, but what's the mm. price that you would put on not having to think, having everything laid out for you and like really seeing the benefits of it um, yeah. or seeing where your weaknesses lie. Like for me, I, my bench is, uh, at this point, um, I'm benching about 90 kilograms for five reps, yep. but I'm only squatting, uh, about 70 kilograms for five reps. That's way out of whack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, man, I used to be that way. So we got to switch that around. And for me working on that, working on that weakness, you find through working with somebody through coaching, you find these weaknesses, these imbalances. It's like, there's no reason why my bench should be heavier than my squat. Like my arms are 15 inches on a good day. My legs are whatever they are in a good day. So, yeah. So that's a good, so even though you're someone who does personal training yourself, for you, there's value in paying someone else to take a lot of that decision-making out of your hands and say, just do this. Trust me, we'll do the results. Exactly. Because there's always somebody who knows more, right? There is. As As a wise Jedi once said, there's always a bigger fish. Yeah. Uh, but we won't talk about that movie quite All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. We've already talked about that movie. If you want to go back and listen to our Star Wars drafts. <laughs> yes. There was a period during COVID where we would talk about anything. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so it's interesting. We kind of started to segue into what we thought we would talk about today, which is, you know, basic strength training. Because yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm taking a bit of time off at the moment. I'm going to look to start getting back into it later this week, early next week, going to start with some basic strength training to get going and then pick up some some more basic running training and, and then eventually maybe a month from now start a proper lead up to an actual marathon. Yep. Um, but for you, you know, taking what you would do yourself as a personal trainer and then what you've learned more recently, what's a basic strength training for someone just, you know, getting into it or getting back into it? And yeah. what's the things to look out for? Yeah, well, so first of all, I, I'd, I'd want to talk about, so for everybody listening, before we jump into this, what I thought would be a good idea, because I am actually through Jets, uh, through Jets Broad Meadows, I'm going to be documenting a little bit of my journey up until the run Melbourne in July. And so I thought for a, a great sort of series that Zach and I could do would be kind of like a race training series where we could talk mm. about things like strength training, mobility, cross training. Um, the, the benefits of, of the deload weeks, types of running workouts. So I thought we should kick off this with some strength training, uh, with talk about strength training and the benefits for it for runners, because of course, Zach was talking about this last week and it's something that he wants to get back into, uh, in terms of strengthening his body after again, just like what I did in my current workout block, finding what weaknesses were there, uh, Mm -hmm. at this last, um, 60k yeah 55k 54 and change hey, 55 we'll call it you got Rounded. the medal you know what it was 60 rounded down to a 10k it was basically a park run yeah <laughs> it was basically a park run <laughs> it's 11 park runs um 
So, yeah, I guess the, the, the first thing we want to talk about is sort of the benefits of strength training for runners, mm. right? So what is one thing that every runner at some point or another is going to, to experience? Uh, having to go to the toilet. Well, uh, yeah, I guess a strength training could help with that, but I was going to say injury. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Unless you're really lucky, uh, yes. injury is definitely something that every runner is going to have to deal with. And so when you run, of course, you're, you're essentially pounding the pavement or the concrete or the gravel with three times your body weight on each leg, on each strength. So if you have that muscular strength to absorb that, you know, it's going to decrease your chance of injury. Cause I mean, you, you take any runner and say, if they're injured and say, do you strength train and nine times out of 10, they're going to tell you one of two things, a no, or B yes, but I wish I had done more leading up to this injury. And not to say that that's a magic pill, like injuries are going to happen. Uh, it's, it's inevitable if you're a runner, you, I mean, again, unless you're a genetic freak, Mm. not no amount of strength training is going to prevent it guaranteed prevent it but it's certainly going to help bulletproof you and the wrong strength training can also be just as bad so yeah. you've got to be smart with it. exactly and that's what we'll get into as well uh there's this certainly a specific type of strength training that's going to be a little bit better for runners um and you know the, yeah, the, the quote unquote wrong type of strength training certainly is out there and can, and that, that has to do with overworking and too many, too many, um, too many bells and whistles and too many fancy things. And you, um, you're not talking about beach muscles only for running, are you? Running, no. you want to think about well-rounded, you know, not size, you want maximum muscles and as many right. parts as possible to handle different terrains and adapt for different circumstances in a run. Exactly. Essentially, you want maximal power output with minimal effort uh and that's the type of so if you know if you're looking to be in a bodybuilding contest strength training for runners is not <laughs> not what you're looking at doing like i heard i can't remember who it was it might have been it might have been the running public podcast bracken crocker it might have been i think it was him he said if a runner comes to me and wants to train with me but says that they will not alter their strength training because all their strength training is about aesthetics, mm. then I won't train them. It might've been him. If you're listening, I doubt you are, but if you are, <laughs> and this wasn't you that said this, or if I've gotten your quote wrong, my apologies, but I can understand that. So, mm. you know, you have to, if you want to build strength as a runner, you have to kind of play the game. You have to play the game. Yeah. Um, the other thing is it improves your muscle activation. Uh, just because you have the muscles doesn't mean that you necessarily had to use them. Like, I think I can attest to this, especially my glutes, my mm. glutes, like I was just saying before, you know, my squats are very weak, you know, um, relatively speaking, relatively to, speaking. Right. Yeah. So if you're running, you can like <laughs> a, a thing that I do, especially on trails, I'll put my hands on my glutes while I'm running if nobody's around and I'll make no, no, sure you've done it. You've done it while people are around. We've seen well, you. I mean, obviously yeah. it's, it's a, it's a thing <laughs> and I'll make sure that I'm activating on every step. Yeah. Um, because that, if you're not doing that, you're just only using, especially if you suffer from stuff like it band yep. syndrome, which I'm very much, very much into, you know, making sure that you're activating your, your, your muscles that are supposed to be activating 
can be a good thing. A lot of runners have a serious problem with their posterior chain uh, and, you know, improving those, that muscle activation is a, is a good thing. And what does activating feel like? Like when you're walking along the trail in the bush with, you know, a buttock in each hand, what are you feeling for? Are you feeling for like clenching or are you just feeling for tension? What do you look for? It's kind of like you have to sort of, I feel, so when I'm doing it specifically, I feel for uh, tensing and activate. So when I say activating, I mean, I feel the muscle working. Mm. Um, I feel that it's doing something, it's firing, it's tensing up, um, it's not clenched. It's not permanently flexed because that's not doing it. No, like it's not permanently totally... clenched. Like if you try to run with a permanently clenched <laughs> butt, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> just, just try it. But it's almost like you're using each stride, each step to tense. And that's what's giving you that forward propelling mm. motion. Uh, so when you strength train, you're also going to improve your biomechanics, your economy. Uh, you know, that's, that's the thing, you know, again, when you talk about power output, you sort of want to, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll address this example later, but say, if you do a 10 K at 50% effort, the more your biomechanics and running economy and efficiency improve that 50% effort is going to feel less, like less hard at a, at a faster pace. If you're if, if your economy and efficiency is like spot on. So that's that biomechanics. When, yeah. yeah. That's when, that's when people always say, when is running going to feel easy? It's like it, running never gets easier, but you get more economical it, with it. So exactly. you can do more with less. Exactly. Exactly. Like look at, look at Elliot Kipchoge. Like I, I, I like this dude is running two fifty kilometers or faster and you never and you never see him struggling. It just is a gliding motion. I'm not saying yeah. don't go out there and try to look like him when you run because that's not going to end well. But yeah. he, there is nothing wasted. There's no movements that are unneeded. He's just gliding. And you would never know that he's working as hard as he's working. Yeah. Um, so um, and then uh, in terms of, you know, and this is this is the other thing. When you get older, strength training is going to help you out. Uh, because you know, there's always that uh, running's bad for my knees and this and that. And it's like it's not. It's not running is not bad for your knees. It's a myth. The thing that's bad for your knees may be running with poor form mm-hmm. or predetermined genetics that will uh, put you at risk for arthritis, um, all that kind of stuff. Or you know, you might just uh, age-related decline in muscle mass, that sort yeah. of thing. So it's going to be beneficial to help you fight all that stuff and recruit all those extra muscles that are going to help you instead of putting your, putting your knees at risk. Um, yeah. Running too far, running too fast when you're older and haven't start and haven't started properly, that's yeah. going to hurt you. And Building exactly. up slowly is always in control. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not necessarily running. That's overuse. Yes. That's overuse. And that's, you know, anything's going to do that. You, yeah. you kick the wall a thousand times in a minute and that's going to hurt your knees too. Hmm. Um, not that anybody's ever tried that. So in terms of strength training, uh, before we get into the type that you want to do, there's a couple of do's and don'ts that I've outlined. So first of all, uh, you want to do use your strength program and in combination with your running to, to help you prevent injury, improve your performance. You want to follow a specific running 
oriented training program for the most effective results. So like we said before, bodybuilding aesthetics, not really going to help, not really Mm going to help. Um, You want, you do want to focus on your form, your muscle activation, you know, you're, if you're not feeling the desired muscle, like for example, if you're, you're doing a heavy squat and you're not feeling it in anything, but your back, that's <laughs> wrong. it's wrong. It's too heavy. Yeah. And you're not focusing on your form. Uh, you do want to practice progressive overload. And so what that means is essentially you're trying to make it just a little bit harder every time you, you, you increase. So if you're increasing your running distance, you want to be increasing your strength as well. So in other words, if one week you squat 50 kilos, the next time you do it, try to do 52. Mm. Or if you don't want to increase the weight, try to increase the reps. So if you're doing five, try to get to six. Um, That's the big trick, isn't it? It's like as runners, we're always adding, you know, that we're we're urged to limit it to only 10% more every week as runners, because we always blow straight past that number. But then with strength training, we reach a number that's comfortable and we're like, well, this is it. This is my number now forever. So like, why wouldn't you as a runner, if you're looking to increase your speed and your distance every week, why wouldn't you try to increase your strength so that your body can keep up with that? And you're right. That's the problem is that everybody's so focused as a, because look, most runners hate strength training. They run because they want to run. Yeah. But in order to truly get better, in order to truly keep up with your desired effort, you have to work everything together. So you have to increase your strength training as well as just as, as you're running. And to increase your strength training, you need to record your strength training, which right. means you need it's, to keep the data points. Exactly. Yeah. So that is a very good point. Record what you do. Like you, there's no, it's almost impossible to progressively overload if you don't know what you've done the prior week. Because I've been there myself. You look at the weight and you're like, oh, that looks good. (laughs) And you do it and you're like, oh, yeah, that felt good. And then you go back the next week and you probably look at the same number. Like, oh, yeah, that looks good. Yeah. And next thing you know, you remember that your number is 15. and You never go past it. Correct. What you should be doing is trying to go up a little bit every time. And if you can't do a big weights jump, like you said, add some reps. Yes. Six more reps and then go up a weight. Exactly. Mm. And, and I would I would say if you can add six reps, you can probably and that's the that and that actually is a good point because for me, there is so if I'm squatting or deadlifting, and I've said this before, yes, I can probably do more, but at the same time, in terms of heavier weight, I can feel my back mm. and I'm like, my back's not quite quite strong enough to handle more weight at this point. So what I'll do is I'll increase the reps until I can increase the weight and that my back is a little bit stronger through deadlifts, through core, through all that other good stuff. Yeah. And as a rule with progression overload, if you're adding a little bit of weights all the time, you shouldn't worry about, oh, am I suddenly going to get so big that I can't be an effective runner? I think that's where you'd need to keep an eye out and go, well, if I can keep adding reps and or weights to my strength training and I'm getting stronger there and it's, I'm not seeing any negative impact on my running at all, 
then keep going for it. Yeah. If you if you reach a point where you're so swollen you can't run anymore, <laughs> okay, maybe we'll, we'll take a look at it then. But otherwise, keep going. Keep trying right. to find those little gains. And that's actually, I was going to mention that later on too. So that's oh, another sort No, no, no. This is good. This is good. As they come <laughs> up, I'll, uh, we'll talk about them. This is another myth is that, you know, lifting heavy will make you big. It's like, it. that is more determined by your nutrition than anything else. Mm. So- if you're going to lift heavy, you're not going to get bigger or bulkier unless your nutrition is backing that up. Um, so unless you're like, it, it's all about calories, right? It's, it's, it's not going to make you a bulky person if you, if you lift. And I think that's another thing that people get wrong about lifting and why they don't lift heavy weights is because they're afraid that they're going to get bulky. But truth is, unless you're eating for that, it won't, you'll get stronger but yeah. you won't get bigger. Um, and if you are getting bigger, if again, there are some people out there that will get bigger just by lifting a weight. Well, then you have to you work on that. You look at what, what's going on with your body. Yeah. Um, so a couple of don'ts don't complete a non-specific strength pr- program and expect it to improve your running. So don't go in there trying to bench press, you know, 12 to 15 reps, just because you want your chest to look awesome and think that that's going to improve you're running it's not gonna um don't uh uh and this was actually this is what i was gonna say don't assume that uh weightlifting will increase your body weight slowing you down because that's going to be all about nutrition don't go too hard too soon mm. you know because th- again same thing you, yes you want that progressive overload but same thing with your running you got to kind of you can't go too hard too soon because you will get injured. It's, you know, yeah. you're putting in a strain on your body. And if you go too hard, um, you'll, you'll get injured. And we've done it oh. uh, for the sake of two weeks at the start is far better off than four weeks in the middle, just when you're starting to feel some form. Yeah. And then that injury catches up with you. Well, yeah, exactly. And going back to the running public Bracken Crocker, he, he has this great thing that he says, pay now or pay later. Yeah. Um, so take a week off now as opposed to six weeks off or a month, uh, two months off later when you're injured because you haven't taken it slowly in the first, in the first, um, section. Yeah. Uh, and then I would also say, don't try not to. So don't, uh, have big, long strength, tra- uh, strength session, bleh, strength sessions on the same day as like a long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no problem with you, having a hard strength session on the day of a hard uh, progression or a hard speed workout, you know, it goes back to that. Keep your hard days hard and your easy days easy. Yeah. Um, but if you're running like longer than an hour, hour and a half, two hours, probably just keep that as your running day. Sometimes um, it feels good to like hit the weights before you go to a speed work session or something. Yeah. You kind of turn up to that speed work session feeling pumped up and, you know, compared to the pressure of you know running eight by eight hundred meter intervals or something like that, um, the strength training you're going to do is is you're not going to feel that straight away. You're going to be able to run on it, and your legs are going to feel pumped up. And especially if you've done something for your upper body as well, you're going to walk around with your chest puffed out a little bit. You're going to feel yeah. your posture is going to be better. Um, well, that's it. Anything you can do to improve your posture is going to help you running. Exactly, and that's that's kind of like that. That actually segues really well into the next thing I was going to talk about. What strength exercises should you do? And if we're going to start there. A lot of runners would maybe think, well, if I'm going to do strength, quads, 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 glutes, glutes, glutes. Yes. 
but you've got to remember, I, I will go back to my very first marathon. I was so surprised at the end of that four and a half hour run, not by how sore my legs were, but how sore my back and shoulders were. Um, even my core a little bit because, you know, yes, there's no weight here, but you're still moving that. And that's going to help you because that's going to help you propel yourself. Cause right. When you run, the things that propel you are your feet, your push off and your, your, your stride and your, and your upper body. So having that strong, I mean, there are plenty of people that would advocate against bench pressing and stuff, but I would say anything that strengthens your upper body, your back, your shoulders is going to be good for your running because that's a big part of what you do. I, I mean, used to get a lot of repetition pain in my shoulders when I did long runs, you know, yeah. and you'll see that when you do a marathon event um, at about the 35 K mark, people will suddenly be raising their arms up and swinging their arms around because their shoulders will lock up. Their shoulders yeah. will get into this, this narrow range of movement for 40 odd kilometers. And then, you'll do something that'll take you out of that narrow range of movement by a degree or so. And all all of a sudden muscles will start to twinge. If you can do anything to give your shoulders, uh, whenever I start strength training for running, shoulders are on there in there from the start, probably before I do chest, um, I do shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like whenever I'm on a long run or a a hard run, the first thing that I shake out when I'm feeling a little bit tired is, is my upper body. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to do those, uh, bench presses, the deadlift variations, um, you know, even pull-ups are good. Shoulder Mm. presses are good. Obviously you want to hit the things that help stabilize the hips and your squats, your lunges, Mm. uh, calf raises are obviously great to help with, uh, ankle mobility and strength. Um, so any, any kind of, even stuff like, uh, uh, sideways, um, like crab walks, Mm. uh, really great for those glute meads really great to help strengthen that area so that you can avoid things like it band, like a lot of knee pain that, uh, that it, uh, is, is caused by overuse is actually caused by other areas in the body. It's generally, if you're having a knee pain and this isn't always the case, but a lot of the times, if you're having knee pain, when you run, it's because something's wrong with either your feet mm. or your hips, that hip area. So those are the areas that you want to kind of uh, increase uh, that that strength training. So in terms of the type of strength training that you want to do, so this is like the meat of everything. I know we've talked about everything else for like twenty minutes. But <laughs> so the thing you want to remember when you're when you're working out, you don't have to worry about uh, strength training. Rather, you don't have to worry about raising your heart. You don't want to mm. do quote unquote endurance style strength training because you're getting plenty of that. Uh, with your run. Uh, there's of course exceptions, but at the very core of it, you just want to focus on strength and power. So you want to look at heavier weights with a lower rep range. That's going to get you the most bang for your buck. Um, because high reps, isn't going to help you build endurance Mm. for your running. Running is going to help you build endurance for your running. So you want to focus on the strength. Um, so you're looking at weights that you can do for our four to six reps, uh, you know, you want to, you want to be working for those reps. You don't want to be working so hard though, that you can't feel it where you're supposed to be. Mm. Feeling it. Uh, and you don't want to be working so hard that you can't actually lift the weight. So why do we want that? Why do we want strength and power as runners? 
because basically the more power you can generate with each stride while using minimum energy, the faster you can run. So that's the equation, right? Yeah. The more power you can generate, the faster you can run. Uh, and you want to use minimal energy to do that. And to do that, <clears throat> you have to build strong muscles, strength, yeah. power, explosive movements. Um, you don't have to go terribly fast, but when actually, Zach, when you were working out at that gym last yeah. year, yeah. you were working on that. Have you been back there? Have you? No, have you been I haven't there? been back there. Are they even schedules. open anymore? Yeah, they are. They are. Schedules didn't really work out, but they had me doing exactly what you're talking about. You know, yeah. deadlifts, um, you know, uh, bent over rows to work the back and everything. Uh, you know, they had me doing some, um, you know, repetition events like, you know, stampies, which is where you hold a bar above your head and you try and, you know, walk with high knees for about, you know, 60 seconds or so to try and stimulate going up a hill. Um, oh, that sounds with like a bit of weight in. That was sucky as well. Um, but yeah, they were working towards getting me on the bench and the squat and everything. Um, but we just ran out of time. But the, the big one for them was, you know, deadlifts, bent over rows, um, calf raises, um, things like that. Yeah. 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 And that's all like, yes, there's a, so obviously you can't go shoulder presses. They had me doing shoulder presses for yeah, some upper so, body strength as well. Yeah. So obviously with that stuff, <clears throat> shoulder presses, great. You don't want to go too heavy with shoulder presses because that's just, you can't, um, yep. like for me right now, uh, I'm doing, and again, this is prescribed by Kirk and what I would have imagined he would do. Uh, my, if I do a shoulder press, it's not at five to six reps, it's at 10. Um, yes. so you're still working, you're still, you know, working to build that muscle, but you have to be smart, like smaller body parts, like a shoulder, <clears throat> you don't necessarily <clears throat> excuse me, you don't necessarily have to go five reps, so bigger body parts, back, chest, yep. legs. Like if you were to just do nothing but work on those with heavy, you're probably, that's fine. Yeah. You're probably and for, fine. And for someone starting out strength training or getting back into it, start with two days a week Yeah, and then gradually build up. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to, if you're not a strength trainer and you're not used to it, two days a week is fine. Like mm. just... You know, I would say um, do it. You, you could have one session on a uh, non-running day and you could have one session on a hard running day or you can have both sessions on, on hard running days, just depending on what you're you're running, how much you're running, if yeah. you're running four yeah. days a week to six days a week. Yeah, right. Like I run five days a week right now. So like, you know, I, I have the um, I, I can put the. Uh, strength training workouts on a hard day and on a recovery day uh, and no running day and still have at least one day throughout the week where I do absolutely nothing. It's nice to have that no nothing day because yeah. some days you have the days where you're not running and you're like, oh, but I still need to do strength. And it's not the same as having a complete rest day. Yeah. And it's nice. Like you can almost feel your body recovering on those yeah. days. And I mean, if, if injury wasn't a thing, I, dude, I'd be like, let's run at like, like eight times a week. Um, yeah. Yeah. and, or like 10 days in a row and then have a day off, but injury is a thing. And most people have to worry about that. There are genetic freaks out there that probably run 10 days in a row before having a day off. Um, yeah. but that's not, that's not us. That's if you're listening to this podcast, that's probably not you. 
<laughs> and if it is, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Yeah. So reach out. Um, so yeah. So essentially, when you're when you're increasing your power, when you're lifting heavy like this, you're increasing your power in terms of your watts. Um, so in terms of your power output. So if you lift your weights at near max effort, your body's going to start to generate more power with the same effort on the same lift. And that's going to translate to your run. So like I said before, if you run 10K at a certain power output, you're going to increase your strength when you increase your strength, and then you increase your power output. So the same effort will help you run faster. So if you're running a 10K at 60 minutes, that is, say, we'll say, I don't know, 50% of your effort. If you're stronger, if you're gaining strength, you can probably run that same 10K in, let's say, just 55 minutes at 50% of your effort. It's it's not an exact science, but it kind of gives you an idea of what um, strength training can do for you. Or you could take that 10Ks, that 60 minutes that you run for 10Ks, and you can now start to run for 65 minutes yeah. or 70 minutes. It goes yeah. both ways. It'll help you run some distances faster, but also if you're being more economical on your running, you'll have more energy left over to start running further. Exactly. And that's 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 kind of the catch-22. If you're an endurance athlete, if you're somebody who wants to run a marathon, if you're somebody who wants to run a 10K half marathon, anything over well, I'd say anything over a mile, uh, mm, 1,600 yeah. meters. If you're somebody who wants to run over 1,600 meters, um, you're probably, you should definitely be, I mean, even if you are. There's right, benefits from strength there's benefits training. Because yeah. you Look just want sprinters. to keep going. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sprinters have, yeah, some seriously, seriously rocking bodies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the other thing, right? So, like, you look at a marathoner and – you can like an elite marathoner, you can better believe uh, you can better believe you better believe that somebody like Elliot Kipchoge is lifting heavy. Yep. But I wouldn't call him bulky. No, not at all. No. (laughs) You look at somebody like Usain Bolt, he's probably lifting heavy, but at the same time, he's also not expending all of his energy running, you know, 15, 20, 30 kilometers in one pop, uh, one pop. So he's able to keep that muscle mass uh, and he's eating very differently than, than, a, yeah. than an endurance. And athlete. he's also a different breed to normal sprinters. Like he's so much taller than a yeah. normal sprinter. It stretches out. He's probably weighs just as much as a lot of the people that are next to him looking absolutely jacked. But yeah. because he's six inches taller, it just spreads that out. But he's yeah. still done the work. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind, of, that's kind of the basic premise of strength training the type of strength training that you want to do, you know, in terms of rep ranges and sets, you know, for each exercise you're looking at, like I said, four to six reps, maybe three sets. So an example workout might be uh, if you're working your legs, you know, three, three working sets of five reps for your squats, maybe, uh, you know, you could do the same thing with your lunges, three sets of five reps each side. You could do the same thing with a leg press and a deadlift. And, you know, you sprinkle in things like the dead, uh, the, deadlift, the, the bench press, you know, on the same day, you don't have to just 
you don't have to say have one day for legs and one day for upper body. You can do it all. Like if you press for time, dude, do do bench press, deadlift, and squat. That's it. Yeah. Three sets of five reps for each of those. Do a couple of warm up sets for each one. There's your workout. Chest, yep. bench press, deadlift, squats. Those are the three best exercises you can do. If you have extra time, throw in some shoulder presses, throw in some lunges. But at the very core of it, if you're not used to run uh, strength training, that's a great place to start. What's an exercise you just would not prioritize at all for running? Strength training for running, what exercise would you not bother with? It's just no point. Any kind of isolation exercise. like so bicep uh, curls. Bicep curls, uh, ch- uh, chest flies, even leg, even leg extensions, right? Um, I mean, or, 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 or leg curls, I think there are far better ways to work those, uh, those muscles and get more bang for your buck. Cause when you do any kind of isolation exercise, you're only working that one muscle. If you're doing a squat, like you're doing a leg extension, you're working your quads, you're doing a squat, you're working your hips, you're working your glutes, your quads, your calves, your hamstrings. You do a stiff leg deadlift, you're working your arms, your shoulders, your back, your hamstrings, your 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 glutes, everything. So I would just if if you're if if aesthetics aren't uh important to you mm. and you're just wanting to run and get the best bang for your buck, don't worry about isolation exercises. Um, because they're not they're really not going to benefit you strength-wise because you can't really build strength with isolation exercises anyway. Yeah. It's just for aesthetics. Yeah, 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 exactly. So compound movements you want. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Compound movements that work more than just the one muscle. Um, and stretching, where does stretching fit into the strength routine? I don't do it. Really? I should. No. <laughs> I, 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 I am in so, I'm sure I'm in good company with so many other runners that I don't stretch enough. Um, but yeah, so strength, uh, stretching, I will always say don't, stretch and uh don't stretch like static stretching that's yeah. the static stretching is the stuff where you hold it for 30 seconds or more don't do that before any type of strenuous activity do that afterward yes dynamic stretching before running or lifting activation activation exercises. warming yeah. up getting the blood flow but yes yeah, stretching uh stretching is good stretching after you run stretching after you lift static stretching Try to get a sweat going when you stretch, you know, mm. hold your muscles for at least 30 seconds to a minute and, you know, take 10, 15 minutes at the end of your running or at the end of your lifting and, and stretch your muscles. Do the thing that I don't do and I probably should. Yeah. A good rule is um, for every kilometer you run, do a minute of stretching. Yeah. Yeah. So not a bad way to do it. And, no, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. Two or three stretches done slowly well is better than bouncing around trying to fit in 50 different poses in a five-minute yeah, spot. Exactly. Yeah. Like I've got in terms of stretching, there's only a few that I really do. I do yeah. I do um uh like a quad stretch, mm-hmm. I do a hip stretch. So kind of like um, you know, you just put your your foot on your knee and you just, you know, yep. that one. Um I do a calf stretch and I do a hamstring stretch and for my upper body. I just do whatever I need to do, but I, yeah, like four stretches for my bottom half. I don't do anything fancy. You yeah. can get as fancy as you want. You can do all the yoga stuff. I'm not saying that that's bad. It's like, you want to do yoga. If you do it, you're probably oh. going to be better off than I am. Yeah. Um, yoga's yoga's good. If you can do it, but the yeah. poo yoga properly takes time. Yeah, exactly. Like so the, 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 the minimum time you're going to spend doing yoga is like 45 minutes. 
to get a good session in because there's so many different poses and you got to hold them for X amount of time. But if you want to just do four stretches, just do four stretches, um, you know, for your legs. Yeah. Just glutes, hips, quads, hamstrings, calves. That's five. Um, Those are the, I mean, yeah. Um, But I, I should stretch more. And, and that's actually on my list to talk about in the next episode or two is flexibility and stretching. <laughs> flexibility <laughs> and mobility. Mobility, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got I've to get my ass into gear on those as well. I was learning about that today, about the difference between flexibility and mobility. And yeah. there was a person who was able to contort themselves into these poses, but they couldn't move around. And then another person who was just like so mobile and able to duck and weave and get around all this stuff. And they were both you know, good in their own way, but depends what you want. Like yeah, if you well, want to be able to hold a split pose, that's flexibility. If you want to be able to crouch and duck and weave and, you know, if you're doing trail running, those are things that are useful for us as we exactly. go along and we bounce and bound around. You want mobility, not yeah. just flexibility. So at the very core of it, if you were doing like a butterfly stretch, you know, the butterfly stretch where your yep. feet are together and you're pushing, flexibility, push your, push your knees down. Yep. Mobility, push your knees down whilst trying to pull your knees up mm, yeah you know, push your knees down with your hands but use your knees to try to fight that and that's where you're going to start to build mobility yes. um but just a little little tidbit there a but tease yeah. for what will come exactly yeah. <laughs> all right before we go you had a story about the most important man in your life cal you wanted to share with us oh, what yeah. was what was that? What's happened? Let's, let's do Kel's story call okay. to finish off. So I don't know. I don't know if you remember, but last time we were on, uh, Cal kept running in and out of here. Like he never does this. Usually he just kind of like stays in one spot. Yeah. But this particular day we were recording and he kept coming in, looking at me, going away. And I was like, why does he keep doing that? Why does he keep coming in here and going away? I feel like he's done something wrong. And he's like trying to figure out when he's going to get caught. Yeah. And as soon as we got off, I, I go into the lounge room and I see a bunch of like what looks like wood shavings on the on the on the carpet. What the hell is that? Wood shavings in the lounge room. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, get, I get a little bit further and all of a sudden the, the chunks of wood are getting bigger and bigger. I'm like, the freaking hell. So there's all <laughs> this wood that's been chewed up, bitten, spat out. And I look and I'm like, he's taken my hat stretcher that I use for my Western hats. And he has destroyed it. Like this thing is two solid pieces of wood, like solid pieces of wood. And he has just destroyed this thing. So I'm like, I don't, he, I can still use it, but it's he's like, a greyhound. He's, he's a beaver. I know. And he's yeah. just destroyed it. And like, so I, I get, and real quick, I look at his teeth, make sure nothing's bleeding. There's no splinters or anything, mm. but I'm just like, cause what do you do? Cause he doesn't know any better, but he went into <laughs> my room, took the thing off my bed and took it onto the carpet and just, killed it and i was like this is what i get yeah this is what i get for you rescued him from a life of you know wandering the streets and this is what he does for you this is how he repays you you're now hatless i know i know yeah i know what a toad (laughs) yeah so that was my uh that was that but yeah, that's impressive. I was actually kind of I was kind of pissed, but I was kind of impressed. Yeah, exactly. $50 hat stretcher. Um and good on you for checking he's okay as well. My first yeah. instinct would have been just to yell at him. Yeah, well, I I you know I checked out and made sure he's okay, and then I was like I gave him a firm talking to and I let him out the back for 10 minutes. 
um stay outside yeah sleep out here for the night but he didn't of course i let him in in 10 minutes um and then yeah so yeah that was my uh that was my cal story wow all right the the, the corner of cal um don't let any hats near him that's the lesson all that hats near him he tends to ignore them Mm. just not anything to try and how tiny is your hat that you need a dedicated stretcher well it's not so i wear a 58 uh, well, depending on the company, is that good? I don't know. Is that a no? Well, it's brag? just I think it's average. Um, okay. Like if you go to a popular hat store and you want a popular hat, fifty-seven and fifty-eight are going to be sold out nine times out of ten. Um, so there are popular hat stores. Well, yeah, a Kubra, okay. bro. Oh, okay, um, all right. Yeah, yeah. So like, I wear a fifty-seven in an Akubra. Problem is, a Kubra runs big. So I bought a 50, uh, 57 Stetson. Uh, and so I just I have my hat stretcher just in case because you know depending on the weather the the hats can you know you're a um, real Renaissance man here I'm learning yeah, man, a lot I got like I got like many Western hats so I bought a Stetson it was a 57 I tried to stretch it didn't work I was like all right so I had to get a 58 um, but yeah I've got like I've got like two Akubras I've got a Stetson I've got a, a couple of weird brand names uh, uh, I've got too many Western hats okay well maybe he's sending you a message Cal. Maybe, maybe he's like, yeah. dude, stop buying stupid stuff um, because nobody cares when you go to muck out uh, a stall in your cool hat because you're shoveling poop. Yeah. Um, do you have, cool um, you don't have stretches for your alpha flies, do you? Make sure he stays away from those. If he ever touches my alpha flies, I will disown him. <laughs> I ran in those, by the way, for the first time. And? Um, okay. So. Oh, uh, that's not good. Yeah. I think, okay. Right away, there's a little bit more stability there. Uh, so this was on my long run. I did wear them right off the bat into a 13 mile, uh, 21 kilometer long run. They are definitely not as fast as the vapor mm. flies. That said, they definitely like uh, you would sacrifice the speed for the comfort. Like, OK, they did take me a little bit further uh, in terms of comfort and st- uh, stability and cushioning. I didn't feel as fast. But I, I mean, I will say at the end of that workout, I did run a 645 mile for my last hard work, which is a, it's like a 345 kilometer or something. Um, so there's How that. How are they compared to the Kayanos? Um, very different. The Kayanos are, the Kayanos are just like a stability shoe without being a stability shoe. They're just very supportive. Yep. Um, so I wouldn't use them for speed. Uh, like I wouldn't race in those just because mm. they're a good recovery shoe. Uh, and I don't know that they could take the pounding of a race. Um, but yeah, it was, it was actually, it was a very interesting thing. Cause I went out in the vapor flies actually the other day and it was quite cold and they didn't feel as good as they normally do. So oh. I'm wondering if the cold affects the, I have read stuff like that, that yeah. the different foam reacts differently to the cold. Yeah. It definitely didn't feel like it was, and this was a newer pair. It didn't feel like it was giving me as much return as I normally get. Well, interesting. I have to keep a diary on all this. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how the alpha flies go in terms of durability and wear. Yeah. And how I, much do you get out of them compared to the vapor flies? I'm going to try. So I've got a plan. So I'm going to try to wear them for my long runs. And I, I, I'll probably wear them for the the run Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, but I've also I've come to the realization that we're still 
a couple months away from Run Melbourne. So worst yeah. case, I might have to buy another pair. Oh, what a shame. What a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I should get a sponsorship. <laughs> really? Honestly, yeah. In terms of uh, all of our sponsors, uh, you're tipping the most back into Nike right now. Nike would be nice. Yeah, I spent like yeah. what? $1,500 so far in Nikes. <laughs> Jesus. That's fun. Anyway. All right. Well, look, everybody. Um, so that was that was our first episode in terms of the what I'm going to call the racing series in terms of training. So that was our racing series on strength training. And this is all going to lead up to the run Melbourne. So hopefully we do a couple more episodes <laughs> leading up to July. Yeah. Now we're going to lift our output. Yes, right. That's exactly right. We're going to we're going to strength train our podcast. Uh, so the next episodes, I, I, I think that we would like to cover. So I want to do, like I said, mobility and flexibility, cross training, deload weeks, and the types of running workouts all leading up. Um, and then we'll go from there. So Zach, do you have anything else you want to? Nope. That is it, kind sir. Thank you for your time this evening. That's all right. That's what I do. So look, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where Zach and I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We will catch you next time.